Welcome to the Expansionist Podcast with Shelley Shepard and Heather Drake. In each episode, we dive deep into conversations that challenge conventional thinking, amplify diverse voices, and foster a community grounded in wisdom, spirit, and love. Hey, Heather. I, I have to start with it's your birthday. Yes, week. it is. We, we have to start with that. Yes. All right. So, so happy birthday to you on Friday. Thank you. Very, very excited yeah. uh, that that you are on this planet and that you are actually on this podcast Yay. with me right now. So that, that's it a is a beautiful thing. thing. I think birthdays are important. We pay attention to them because you don't earn a birthday. You didn't do enough mm-hmm. to get a birthday. You simply are. It's part of that belovedness. We just celebrate our being mm. and the fact that we're gifted another whatever, maybe year, but we're gifted this time, this present time to be able to yes. enjoy life, to savor things, to feel everything and to bring ourselves hopefully into wholeness and more truth. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Birthday week. Notoriously mm. hard yes. to deal with though. If you're, de- if you feel like birthdays have to be dealt, um, Dennis is my husband and he is easy to buy for because he loves everything. He likes everything. He wants everything. And so everybody knows exactly <laughs> what to do for him. And they're like, but for you, why? Catherine says that I make it um, just beyond difficult. And so she goes, it doesn't even have to be this way. It can mm. be easy. You can choose. And so that's a fun thing. Entering yeah. into birthday week and going, look at all the choices that we have to be able to live differently or to choose things or to enjoy things or to savor things. So you and I have been savoring conversations about the Mary Magdalene and about expansionist yes. ideas and about theology mm-hmm. and about our mm-hmm. own lives. And so we've been talking and so we thought, hey, we'll start a podcast so other people can listen to our conversations and all the yes. things that we're talking about. Okay. So this is landmark because it's your birthday week. It's the first yeah, podcast. Lots of firsts. And it's not the first time that we're no. talking about Mary Magdalene, but but what a beautiful time to do yeah. so. Um, here in the beginning of October and uh, all the beautiful things that come with moving into fall and autumn and Advent as it, as it approaches. So, yeah, this is glorious. So, yeah, Mary Magdalene. Um, wow, there's so much to, uh, to visit uh, about her. And um, one of the things that that I've been holding for the last, I don't know, months, several months, is this word anointing and anointed. And I wondered if we might be able to, to just talk about that for a few minutes from our different perspectives of, of how, we, how we view that particular uh, passage in, in the four gospel stories, which are all very different about her. They each painted a a portrait. Uh, each each of those writers painted a portrait that they wanted us to uh, either see her or know her or understand. Uh, which is I, I find very interesting how how different that they actually talked about her in their stories. Um, but this this place of anointing, and, and we can jump into that, but things I love about where you're um, directing our attention is the very fact that Jesus said, wherever my story is told, her story is going to be told. So Mm. paying attention to giving the space to be able to have conversations about what Mary did, how she thought, how she interacted with Jesus, and maybe even what she knew 
that has maybe not been talked about or not part of the mainstream conversation and asking ourselves the question, can the spirit that revealed that to Mary also reveal to us this invitation into anointing as a lifestyle, as an act of worship, as an act of prayer, as an act of friendship, as an act of what does it look like to view our whole life through the lens of anointing? Beautiful questions and thoughts. It takes me to, uh, I, I want to share this from Cynthia Burchot's work out of um, her book, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene. And, and she says that recovering a wisdom relationship with the ritual of anointing, um, that, that her act of conscious love is a passageway that marks um, an entry into both the physical and spiritual wholeness. And, and she goes on to say that she cites Bruce uh, Chilton, a, a historian, that maybe even Jesus possibly learned anointing from Mary Magdalene. I thought that was like huge, right? Like, like this huge announcement uh, in the book. But I love this place of... Um, recovering a wisdom relationship with the ritual of anointing. That was a rich phrase uh, out of Cynthia Burchot's book. And I, I just want us to linger on that for a second. Um, you know, what is a wisdom relationship with the ritual of anointing? I like where, what can yeah, that be? What, what I like where like? you're leading us with this thought because first of all, wisdom is really important to you and to I on our own specific journeys. Mm -hmm. We have identified that the way of wisdom is such an anchor to us in any of the kind of thinking we have or any kind mm -hmm. of um, looking to scripture for any kind of view or direction or even for personal um, life living this idea of what is wisdom, what is true wisdom, because, you know, truth can be subjective, but wisdom, uh, there is a hope there mm -hmm. in the finding the wisdom and in allowing that to be for us an anchor, no matter where we go, we can be anchored into wisdom and into love and spirit. And the hope for us is that the wisdom will call us into wholeness. And I think that even that, that question mm. of asking what the ritual of anointing, first of all, I think we have to be okay with the idea of rituals. This, what is a ritual, mm. you know? And I think that the Christian tradition offers us some rituals, but people don't even realize them maybe as rituals. But the ritual of baptism, the ritual of um, celebrating Holy Communion together, a ritual is um, a way that we retell a story and we do it with often with our bodies or with a way that allows us to mm. engage. In not just with our heads, but with other parts of us. So in the telling of the story, we remind ourselves what is truest about us. And so this understanding of the ritual of anointing, I think in the faith tradition that I grew up in, in the Christian faith, I grew up in a particular sect where anointing was something that somebody did if like they put oil on your head. Right. 
And it was only going to be a tiny bit because they weren't going to waste it, you know? So it was going to be like a tiny bit of anointing and you would have been anointed or it would have been a a way that, that someone, this is in my particular life, someone diminished a choice that you had, but they would say, you can do that because you're anointed. It would mean there's no struggle on your Mm -hmm. behalf. You didn't make any conscious choice to do this. You're, it's easy for you to care for the poor. You're anointed to do that hogwash. Mm. We're all anointed to Mm. care for everyone. You know, so I think there has been a way that our language has not maybe embraced the language that the story in the Mm -hmm. text is telling us. But I think that there is a wisdom way of recognizing Mm. that if we pay attention, everything can be sacred. And so anointing living in our belovedness, living in that kenosis and in that serving can turn everything into anointing. The way we brush someone's hair, the way Mm. we fold someone's laundry, the way we, you know, offer someone Mm. a cup of coffee, all of this can be done in a spirit of anointing or in the ritual of anointing, paying attention to you're going to be better, a wholer, uh, more comforted when I pass this to you. Yes, yes. I love that. Every word of it. Thank you for that. Those images. When I think about um, re- what it would mean <clears throat> to recover a wisdom relationship with anointing, I had some of those same kinds of experiences growing up <clears throat> where the oil was used, you know, to pray for the sick or, you know, to anoint someone that was getting ready to go on a missions trip, or maybe they were moving to another location or a church or going to college or, you know, something like that. And so anointing was a, a passageway of sorts. And, And I think about the act of, of Mary Magdalene consciously, preparing. I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago about um, the pre-story before Mary actually gets to the dinner to anoint Jesus's feet. And these thoughts that went through her mind or she'd been saving this expensive oil or perfume or nard for a long time. And she'd collected it or maybe added to it. And, you know, in my holy imagination, I began to stand with Mary in that moment. Stand with Mary Magdalene in that moment as a precursor activity to the actual act mm. of anointing. And I learned some things about her. And I, I sat with that and actually tried to connect in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit what that must have been like as an uninvited guest to walk into a dinner party without knowing who else was going to be in Simon's house, what they would say about her, how people would respond. And yet this act of conscious love in Cynthia Bourgeau's teaching, and as we have learned, becomes this fifth way love, this path to love that we, maybe, Heather, are just beginning to understand. I would say, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're and we're delving into it and we're finding the wisdom in this way of loving and living and being fully embodied in the world and offering our gifts of presence and truth and the knowledge that we have from that we've learned from the rituals and some of it our particular mm-hmm. feminine voice of being able to say this is what wisdom cries out and calls us to do this is what it looks like when we live mm-hmm. in embodied faith that is not just for our own personal gain, but for the flourishing of everyone around us. And this is perhaps what Jesus is offering all of us when allowing us to serve even the least of these among us and pay attention and practice the rituals of anointing that we're gifted with. I love that imagery that you just shared with us of Mary, who is maybe collecting. And so I love the idea that maybe she's not a very young person. Like maybe she has spent years preparing for this. And so there's a certain point in a woman's life in particular where we're going, you know, there's some time that's passed here. What good gifts, what beautiful things, what wisdoms, what treasures do I have that I can live out of and change not just the trajectory of the way that I live, but how people experience me. Because very often how people experience mm-hmm. us and how mm-hmm. we intend to live are two very different things. And I think this practice, you, you, you know what I mean? Like there, I intended for it to be nice, yes. but sometimes it can come off very different or I can intend for it to be loving, yes. but it can come off differently. And so I think the conscious intention of anointing of the fact that there were, I, I love the idea of the hands that are used in the anointing, um, when I grew up, the idea uh, in the scriptures when it said, you know, the laying on of hands, to me, it really only meant, you know, the five seconds that you put your hand on someone while you were praying for them and then the removal. And as I, you know, sure. actually live a life as a mother, as a wife, as a, a sister, as a friend, as a neighbor, I realized that laying on of hands is also rubbing someone's back. When they are weeping, I realize mm-hmm. that it is the wiping of the countertop. It is, it is the the stroking of someone's hair. It is the laughing with someone and just clasping your hands in joy over it. All of those things where the laying on mm-hmm. of hands brings us is actually an invitation into living in this spirit realm. Because I think the anointing over and over again Mm -hmm. we hear is this imagery of spirit. It's a paying attention. This is spirit among us. And so I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. in looking at the Mary Magdalene story and in awareness of anointing that it brings us to a place where we can see everything we do is a choice to live that way, to live in a way Kenosis offers us the fifth way this other Christianity that maybe mm-hmm. we haven't even experienced before, maybe in all of our living in Christian lives, haven't ever reached to this place where we are now, where the fifth way is directing us, where kenosis brings us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a powerful thought and, and, and a powerful question. You know, are we living as fifth way um, women, as fifth way leaders, as fifth way friends, um, as fifth way sons and daughters. Like, are we, are we aware that that our movements, that our hands, that our eyes, that our feet are part of this practice of relational wisdom? Like, if we thought about wisdom as this relational conduit 
that when we reach out and touch somebody, whether there's oil on our hands or not, uh, there's energy that goes out. There is a there's a feeling that goes, or there's a uh, a moment where something is transformed um, or changed, and we may know about it. Somebody may tell us, or we may never know about it. But it's this practice of anointing, this wisdom relationship in this space. I think that Cynthia Bergeau wants to teach us is is different than maybe what we've practiced before. And I think these podcasts and, and this opportunity to expand our theology, to look for ways that it becomes more than it is, I think, is where we are. I love this whole idea of a wisdom way and of following the fifth way. And I think that for as, as soon as at least somebody who thinks similar to me hears that, they're like, okay, so give me all of the information on the fifth way. I want a booklet. I want it laid out. And I mm. think that the invitation yeah. is to, it's an experience. It's not a, a set of rules. It's not a knowledge. It's an invitation into life fully integrated fully embodied taste and see that God is good feel and see mm. that the spirit will be comforting to you you know like this idea of what would it look mm. like to recognize that our hands are you know these the way that we experience the world how we feel the world how the world feels us and this hope that in following the fifth way that we'll be better lovers so this is a good thing if somebody's listening mm. you can be a better lover by listening that's not true there's no guarantee yes. but maybe just out of curiosity what would it look like for us to learn to live in a way that we fully loved ourselves every part of us mm. and we fully loved the world every part of the world, every part of the people that we're interacting with that we come up. And I think there's hope in that idea that mm -hmm. it's not just new information that we need, although a new question may open up something, but there's an yes. invitation not just to question and not just to knowledge, but there's an invitation into a whole new way of interacting with the world. Mm -hmm. I've read, Heather, that... Um in that particular region of Galilee, the shamanic practices were well known and used, um, you know, throughout throughout the region, and that Mary Magdalene may have gotten initially drawn to this space because of the we're going to say quote unquote. <laughs> these seven uh, demons that she was was supposed to embody, right? Like she was drawn to this space. And so um, it was natural for her to show up and, and maybe receive anointing or, you know, how did she begin to understand were these really demons or were these pieces of a longer journey for her, a practice that she would either uh, relinquish, or she would move deeper into understanding. And then ultimately, you know, she meets Jesus and begins to, maybe this ministry of, of healing and, and, and laying on of hands or practicing was something that they did together. Cynthia Bourgeau talks about that as well. It's something that um, she knew well in her soul. 
She had been there. She had practiced it. She had known it. And so for her to use this alabaster oil or perfume, um, which in, in one place I read in our terms today, it would have been at a value of about forty or $50,000, you know, that she just broke open and poured out to him lavishly. And I'm thinking, wow, right? Like, you know, in this time, in this day and age, that's a lot of money to just pour on dirty feet and have it go on the ground. And yet this wisdom relationship, this ritual of anointing that she had been doing herself, she turns around and demonstrates it to the anointed one. Like, like Jesus Christ means the anointed one. She was the one that brought that phrase into motion. And, and, and so I sit with this, with this knowledge or these, this understanding historically about her. And, and I'm just amazed how this even made it into the, into the Bible. Like, are you amazed that this story is even in there? I think I'm hopeful that this story is in here. Um, I was raised in church ever since I was a little bitty girl. And so there were many stories that I've heard over and over again. And this one captivated me since the very beginning, probably because it was a woman. First of all, I could see myself in that kind of thing. And ultimately, um, I think that I immediately identified, even as a very young child, with her longing, with her longing to even outside of being told that I could maybe look differently at the text, what I was immediately drawn to was she had so much love that she was willing Mm -hmm. to demonstrate the love, that there was a generosity in the love, that it was lavish. It wasn't metered out. And I began to be Mm -hmm. very drawn to the generosity of that kind of love. What would it look like for me first to have Mm. that, but then also to be so full of it that I would be willing to give it? And I wonder, you know, in the case of Mary, how she was able to maybe first even recognize the anointing or what was available to herself and then be able to Mm -hmm. turn that toward the world. And I recognize in the story um, something that drew me immediately was how people misunderstood it. People that were close mm-hmm. to Jesus and close even probably to her misunderstood that. And uh, there have been many teachings. I've gone to many um, worship events where they were like, you know, this is the thing, the way that you sing or the way that you do that. And uh, to me, one of the things that I love about what you're asking us to think about is what would this look like in our daily life, not just in a worship event? What would it look like to live knowing that when our eyes meet our own eyes in the mirror, that we could practice that wisdom of the ritual of Mm. anointing? What would it look like for us to lay our heads at night on the pillow and know that there Mm. is you know, an anointing. And maybe it's when we slather the beautiful cream on our face or we have had aromatherapy before we go to bed, but maybe it's those things. But what if it's more than that? What if it starts there, but then goes beyond that and we can embody the richness and the fragrance in our spirits that allow us Mm -hmm. to be, Mm -hmm. allow us to be present in the world in a way that 
Without this, we couldn't. We want to pause and take a moment and let you know how glad we are that you've joined us. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend. And if you found the conversation intriguing and want to know more about what we're learning or how you can join our online community, visit our website at expansionistheology.com. When you said look in the mirror, it took me back to um, a writer's retreat that I was doing a few weeks ago. And one of the one of the exercises was that they had purchased these handheld mirrors for everybody at the table. So everybody, you know, whatever table you're at, there's, there's a handheld mirror and they had it in, in a plastic sleeve. And so we took it out and then they said, okay, for, uh, for two minutes. Okay. They said one minute because they knew two minutes, we could not look at ourselves in a handheld mirror for two minutes and stare into our own eyes. And, and when I, when I left that exercise, it was very moving and very powerful. When I left that exercise, you know, I, I asked myself, well, one, you know, what, what a beautiful practice to be able to just look at yourself and, first of all, have self-love. And then how does that self-love evolve into the people at my table uh, this weekend? And then how does that self-love expand beyond this table this weekend to the other tables that I will be a part of over the next several months. And, and I wondered about um, this, this notion that, that we cannot look at our own self for longer than a minute. And I was like, why is this so difficult? Why is it hard for people just to well, because we're all sitting around here, you know, looking into the mirror at, at ourselves and everybody else is looking in the mirror. And so it feels kind of awkward. But just practice that. Like, get your, get your mirror out and just, like, what is it about myself? Do I love myself? And people are like, wait, are you supposed to love yourself? Yes, 100%. Really? Yes, yes. Because Jesus yeah. says that you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And so not just put up, I know, not just put up with yourself, but really to be able to see the image of the divine. You and I have been Mm. talking for a few months. And one of the things that we entered upon kind of early in the conversation was contemplative practices that kind of ground us. Mm -hmm. And something that I know true for me that was very helpful in being able to not just accept who I was, but to be able to see beauty in it and, and honor the, that merging of fully human, fully divine is the contemplative practice of just the prayer of almost unknowing, sitting in the presence of a loving Jesus Mm -hmm. without doing anything is so Mm. hopeful to our souls, to the way that we see ourselves. And so I think that there are those rituals that we do that can bring us back to original goodness, original blessing. What does it look like when I see myself and see the image of the divine? How can I not necessarily Mm -hmm. just see Jesus in someone else's pain or in their distress, but when somebody else is enjoying their life, when there's something good happen, can I also see the presence of the divine in that? But I think it comes from first finding the presence uh, and, and seeing love, God's love, 
divine love in our own eyes, in the reflection, in the mirror, in the it's enough, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the practice of anointing ourselves. Yes, and, and that may, my friend, be the first step, is just to invite everybody to, to get a mirror and to sit down with it and to begin to, to see yourself in a way that is loving. Um, I, I think about conversations and people in the world who, who do not love themselves, who think that others do not love them because of their skin color or their ability or their lack of ability or the side of the tracks that they were born on or you name all the lists that can go on and on. And this, this wisdom relationship, I think, that leads to a ritual of anointing begins with a self-love. And so if, if one of our flags, you know, here early on in, in the Expansionist podcast is, is to teach people self-love, mm. wow, that would be like, well, if we could do that, like, what would that look like? And, and how could we encourage people to love themselves first? Because you can't get to the anointing possibly that, that Mary got to until she had traversed some of those realms or some of those spirits that um, maybe today we would call, you know, addiction or demon or, you know, some other um, distraction, you know, that's keeping me from seeing, wow, someday I feel like I'm called to take this beautiful gift and give it to him. Mm. But if I take this beautiful gift in my alabaster box or jar today, it might not mean the same. So I need to unpack it, unravel it, unwind it and really look at myself. Like, what is it about myself? I'm, th- I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene. <laughs> that makes me want to pour this oil and anoint him. Like, what is that about me? Like, where's that coming from? And do I understand the whole dynamic around it? I'm sure she did not, but I bet she knew before the act of <laughs> conscious love that was poured out. That's just my thought. But yeah, what if we practiced self-love for several weeks? I mean, wisdom, spirit, and love are three anchors of this this expansionist podcast. And so having ways for people to express that, to experience love, like, yeah, well, I mean, you're the love queen. Tell us. Oh, tell us I what like we need that. To do. I don't have that moniker yet. Know. The love queen. Um, can I share a story? I, but I gave it to you a long time ago. You did. Thank you. Um, I, I was cleaning the, my bathroom one day, and I do a lot of work, um, a lot of prayer work, as I do work that seems mindless. It seems to me always to be able mm. to like. I don't have to use my big brain to clean a bathroom. I can have my brain go somewhere else. So very often I have intentional times of prayer for different things or, and and that way it kind of helps me stay in a, in a place of connection with God. So I was having this, I was cleaning particularly around my bathtub 
and was doing a lot of wiping. And so I just began to like sing a little song toward God after this time of prayer. And the song was very simple and just, I love you, I love you, I love you. And genuinely had these beautiful feelings of love toward God as I'm mm-hmm. cleaning my bathroom. And what startled me, I mean, made me sit down, took my breath away, was that deep within myself, I heard coming from within God singing the song back to me. And it was overwhelming. Mm. And I, I immediately rejected it, like that I would sing this little ditty, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mm. But to have God sing that over me, this is my response was, but I know me. So in mm. response to love singing love song over me, I said, no, I know me. I am aware of my faults. I am aware of my shortcomings. I am aware of all of these things that I said love could come no further. And then, you know, my good Christian teaching mm. brings me back to the fact that here is in the very beginning when we're told the story of people, God said to them, who told you that? And I felt that same truth where God said, who told you that you know yourself? And I Mm. was confident. Well, I am the person. I am me. I know myself. I know all of my shortcomings. And I really felt like, and again, not an audible way, but an inward way that love knows me better than even I know myself. And so if I would stop Mm -hmm. diminishing the whole universe that sings over me that I am loved if I would stop saying, no, that's not true. If I could just it, maybe sit down and listen for a while. Maybe the, the people that listening also need to stop saying that they are not worthy of that kind of love or that they know themselves better than that. Maybe the first thing that we need to do is stop um, telling love not to sing over us, but just really embracing mm-hmm. that inner witness. And again, I want to be mindful that when we talk about God or listening to the voice of God, or hearing the voice of God, that voice comes to us in many ways that we have been handed through tradition or through our church experience. But it's really important that we recognize that it comes from within, that if, Mm -hmm. if God dwells in us, no longer in places made with stone or with wood, but dwells in people, that the invitation is for us to embody this kind of love and this invitation to hear love singing over us, to then just agree with it and not Mm -hmm. say, no, here's the reason why I couldn't be the person who anoints. And stop giving Mm -hmm. reasons why we aren't the ones worthy of the kind of love that we know we're capable of. And, And that is such a profound concept. When we look at this woman... You know, that nobody really knew who takes these steps and enters this space to anoint the feet of Jesus, to begin the process of anointing. Like, I am blown away by that act of love and grace that was handed to her, that she knew, you know, what to do with that. And I'm also encouraged and hopeful that in our shortcomings, and in the ways that we, we often see the negative sides of ourselves when we look in the mirror, the shape, the size, you know, the color of our hair, or, you know, something is, something is off. And so there, there are these, 
uh, contemporary forces, I, I think, sometimes that are keeping us from this act of self-love that leads to this path of conscious love that ultimately moves us into this fifth way understanding. And I don't, it, it's nothing, it's not new uh, at all. Lots of people in history have uh, written about this and talked about the, um, you know, the personal psychology of the mind and, and how the mind <laughs> moves us. Um, and yet at the same time, Heather, there is this physical and spiritual wholeness. It wasn't just spiritual wholeness that Mary Magdalene um, moved towards. There was personal wholeness, right? Mm. Cynthia Bourgeau says that this passageway was both for personal, physical, and spiritual wholeness. Mm. And so that says to me that it, it's good for anyone. It, it's open for all, you know, whether you have uh, <laughs> no demons in your closet uh, or whether you have many demons in your closet. Uh, that, that you're struggling with. It is this passageway, this wisdom relationship of how um, this ritual of anointing can feed our soul, but also heal the physical and the personal. I, I just love that. I, I could talk all day about this. I, I don't know where we're at in this in this episode at the moment. Well, I think we have a few more minutes. It is magical. And I love this invitation. It sounds very much like... Um, the message translation that says, before the world was formed, God had you in mind mm. and had settled on mm -hmm. you to be the object of God's affection, that you would be yeah. made whole and holy by God's love. So the invitation mm. to wholeness is really through this passage of love. And the invitation is not just the separate part of us, just the spirit or just your soul, but the invitation to the embodied whole and holy this sacredness, yeah. that invitation into the mm -hmm. uh, the anointing, you know, what makes something anointed for use, what makes something set apart for service, you know, this, mm -hmm. this idea of holy or sacred or anointed, all of this language that recognizes God in us, God among us, God mm -hmm. in the person next to yes. us. And how hopeful it could be for our world that if we could learn to see that way, if we could learn to experience or lean into the stories that tell us that God is present in ways that we're not even aware of yet, that love is present, that there is a way to think about ourselves and the world in ways that can bring wholeness, in ways that could bring healing, in ways that could liberate us and liberate the people around us. That's extremely hopeful mm -hmm. that we haven't tried it all yeah. yet. Yes, and, and, the, and the image that you so beautifully painted about, you know, cleaning the bathroom and, and God dropping in into that space, you know, in the center of you is, those, those are holy moments. And I might add, they are very natural moments. They're natural ways that wisdom, spirit, and love wants to reveal itself to us. It doesn't always happen in church or you know, in worship, it might happen in a garden or in a forest or, you know, by, by the ocean or, you know, maybe on a walk. But I think the attunement of and the alignment of what Mary Magdalene is demonstrating here in these gospel writings 
Uh, and we haven't even got to her gospel yet. I'm sure that'll be another podcast down the road. But just here in the beginning of understanding how this works is not just for the spiritual at heart. You know, it really is a call for us all to be more loving, expanding, and inclusive. Mm. I think her whole story is just wrapped up in that. It was our joy to have you listen to our conversation today. If you would like further information or for more content, visit us at expansionisttheology.com.